Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and the calendar reads December. And you know what that means, Giants fans. It's time to focus on the draft and get ready to see where you're picking in the top 10. Ah, just kidding. Obviously, the New York Giants are in unfamiliar territory. 7-4, and and despite their latest skid, losing 3-4, of they're still in the thick of the playoff race. And as Brian Dable told the team on Monday, the season starts now. The New York Giants, if the season ended today, which it does not, would be the sixth seed, the second wild card in the NFC, and they would be headed to San Francisco, Santa Clara, to be more exact, to play Jimmy G, Christian McCaffrey, and the 49ers. Well, there's a long way to go, six more games in the regular season, to see if the Giants can get back on track and make that playoff push, get their first postseason invite since 2016, Ben McAdoo's first season. On today's show, and we continue to do something different with the podcast this year, especially on the latter half of the season, which the way which is because of the way the Giants have their schedules and our media access those sit-down interviews that we've been able to do uh, really just have not worked scheduling-wise. So, your boy is called an audible, and what we've been trying to do now is capture the one-on-one interviews that I do in the locker room with some key giants for that week. This week, our quote-unquote mini-interviews, two exclusives, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, first round picks for the Giants. This is usually the time of year when we talk about players hitting their rookie wall. And for Thibodeau, he's coming off his best game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. And for Evan Neal, he's missed about a month of action after getting hurt, spraining his MCL against Jacksonville. So now... Thibodeau and Neal are two of the most important pieces for the Giants in these final six games. That obviously starts on Sunday against the Washington Commanders. And when you assess where the Giants sit and if they are going to finish this season off with a playoff berth, they've got to beat the Commanders. And just off the top of my head, we can go through the schedule here. 
It's Sunday against Washington at MetLife. Then the following Sunday at MetLife against the Philadelphia Eagles. Then the following weekend, expected to be Saturday, they will be in Landover to see Washington again. And a little scheduling quirk there is the fact that Washington goes Giants by Giants. So I know some Giants fans have had an issue with that, the idea that Washington gets another week to prepare for the Giants while the Giants have to go play the Eagles. But NFL scheduling is what it is. So we can get back to that Saturday game on the 17th a little later in the show. I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week as well or even in the post-game podcast on Sunday night. Then after the second Washington game, the Giants go to Minnesota on Christmas Eve. Then they return home on New Year's Day and play the Indianapolis Colts. And then the season finale in Philadelphia at the link. And boy, wouldn't that set up to be a crazy scenario? Is that two years ago, everything was about how the Eagles laid down in the fourth quarter with Nate Sudfeld, and allowed Washington to win and get into the playoffs by winning the division and knocking the Giants out of the postseason. Now this year, roles could certainly be reversed and that the Eagles might not be playing their starters because they have the number one overall seed and the bye clinched in the NFC, depending on how things play out. Uh, And the Giants could certainly need that game in week 18 uh, to get into the playoffs to secure one of those final three wild cards. So all that is on the table. We'll have the final drive with fan questions. Odell is meeting with the Giants. He will visit the Giants Thursday, which is when I'm taping this, and his visit will likely carry over to Friday. I'll talk all of that after we get through our interviews. First up is Kayvon Thibodeau. I think you'll enjoy our one-on-one at his locker. He's always been pretty forthright and candid in terms of how he speaks uh, to the media. Sometimes I think he he says what he knows we want to hear. But I do think in this instance, he was trying to open up a little bit, <clears throat> explain what's going on in his game. Uh, and you can hear, I'll preview it, difference between having an interview in the field house and just in the locker room. There's a lot of commotion going on in the locker room. There were two ping pong matches going on yesterday. Leonard Williams against Graham Gano, which is essentially a trilogy, so I don't want to declare a winner yet, that they were battling And then in the Evan Neal interview, I think you'll hear a little bit of the Saquon Barkley and Julian Love match. Julian Love uh, got the better of Saquon and won that one, at least from what I was told. Uh, But it certainly was competitive. Both were competitive, as you'll hear during the interview. So first up, Kayvon Thibodeau and what Sunday represents for him and for this Giants defense especially and the team overall going against Washington. 
When you go into a game, when you you know on the other side of the ball, you're not breaking down those guys, but you know that defensive front is very good. Is there any part of this unit wanting to go out and prove something for yourselves? Um, yeah, I think the focus is all on us. You know, I think it's it's the pressure is on us to make plays. The pressure is on us to uh, you know play our best football, right? So I think. Uh, we try to focus on ourselves and focus on what we got to do individually and then as a collective. So I think, you know, this is a big game and we got to go make plays and we have to, you know, put it all together. But, yeah, you try not to get too too wrapped up in the moment. Was Thanksgiving for you personally, everybody, even Wink talked about today, the idea that he thought it was your best game and things were starting to come together. Um, was it just the culmination of your work? Or did something change in that game for you to have that game? It was definitely the culmination of my work. I feel like, you know, we've been putting together. Um, I've been putting together Arsenal. I've been working on my tools. I'm working on my craft. And, you know, now I'm really finally starting to figure it out and put it together. What, what is that when you put your tools together? I mean, I know you, you pay attention to all the parts yeah. of your game. I would say, you know, it's definitely just uh, having that confidence to go... Damn, having that confidence to go execute, knowing, you know, what you have and then having those confidence in your moves and your technique, knowing that, you know, you've put in more work than a person ahead of you and you got more heart than a person, you know, across from you. Wink said today that, you know, for you, you're further along than really any rookie he's been with in terms of understanding the entire game and not just rushing. Why? Why is that a part of you and who you are on the field? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm very curious. I'm a person who I don't let I don't let things get told to me without asking questions. So from day one, when I from from the day one through the draft process, right, I knew that learning the learning the system, learning the game and really getting those ins and outs that guys like Wink Martindale and Coach Daves, getting that that insight that they have and then applying it to my physical ability. I mean, it, that's the, that's that's the answer. You know, like that's what you have to do to be great. Do you? I don't want to say, I mean, I know we always talk sacks versus pressures and what does that matter. Yeah. It's just about affecting the game. Yeah. Do you sense when you're affecting a game and does that kind of ratchet it up a notch when you know you're having an effect on the game? Uh, I think it's it's always a it's always a keep going mentality. You know, I feel like when, you know, when you do make a big play, I think what you where people mess up is they make that big play and they get too ahead of themselves. So for me, when I do make a big play, I just know that, you know, opportunity is there right it always every time I do something where you know I'm, I'm affecting the game it, it, it creates that mind that more opportunity is out there and that you know I just got to keep going you talked the other day that Dave's message was you know the season starts now for you and the player you believe you are is this the time to to shine to definitely to lead this, this team? I feel like you know um, this is the time when when we're playing for something we put everything we've done everything in the season to get us to this point and now you know all the eyes are you know on those top teams that have put themselves in position to to, to go for the big race so yeah I would say you know the eyes are on us the pressure's on and um, it'll definitely be a great time for me to make plays God willing thank you man all right you heard it from Kayvon Thibodeau thanks to him for his time at his locker and like I said it's a little bit of a commotion but I'm doing everything I can to bring you guys exclusive content for our podcast here. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview, albeit brief, uh, with Kayvon heading into Sunday. And eventually, I think we'll get Kayvon for a sit-down for the podcast, uh, but it just hasn't been possible scheduling-wise 
uh, for the way the Giants have gone on um, this season. And certainly with meaningful games to play, uh, there's a lot less, hey, we'll, we'll come on and spend 15 minutes talking about our career and getting ready for the you know, 13th game in which we're out of the playoffs. That That's not the case this season. So next up is Evan Neal, and you could tell he's raring to go. Uh, the big thing for Evan, physically-wise, getting back is one thing, but he's a very cerebral player, and I talked to him about that. And just the idea of how much he put into the game planning week to week when he knew he wasn't playing. And he'll talk about that. I think Neil coming back, uh, you know, Tyree Phillips was not awful at right tackle and certainly was an upgrade compared to what the Giants have had at right tackle over the last several seasons. But in terms of what Neil brings, especially in the run game, uh, it's an upgrade. And, uh, you know, he was really playing good football Evan Neal in Jacksonville when he got injured. He had tweaked his technique. Uh, He had really started to play well. So it'll be interesting to see if the Giants can expect him to get back uh, and just be at that level and pick up where he left off. That's not easy to do. Uh, And he'll certainly be challenged against this Washington front. So here's Evan Neal with me at his locker. And again, some ping pong festivities in the background as we move along, heading towards Washington on Sunday. Exciting to get back out there, man, and uh, to get out there with the guys and just contribute to the team, man, in whatever way that I can. So uh, just excited to continue, to, just to build, just to build, you know. I know you're a cerebral player. That you want to pick apart everything that you're doing and you know what you're working on when you're out and you have to focus on a physical injury. How did you balance that? The idea of rehabbing your knee, but also keeping up with the cerebral part of the game. Yeah, I mean, while well, I still sat in meetings and stuff like that, um, still took notes. Um, wasn't watching as much film whenever I was out, but I was still, you know, watching and um, you know. Just keeping my mind on football, you know what I mean? But mainly just taking the notes in the meeting, staying on top of the game plans, new plays that have been installed and stuff like that. When you go into a game like this when so much attention is being put on the the other defensive line, you know, the the four first-round picks, you're used to going against top talent in college, and you've seen top talent so far, but does it kind of ramp it up a little bit, knowing that the talent is on the other side of the ball and kind of makes you raise your game that much that much higher? Yeah, I mean, those guys got a really good front. I mean, definitely. Um, you see good talent, you know, every week in this league, but uh, those guys got a really good group of guys. They play hard, and, uh, you know, they play well together, so it's definitely exciting to be able to go out there, you know, and um, a high-intensity, high-volume game like that. So it's definitely exciting. You know what it's like to play in big games. I mean, your whole college career was built on big games. Do you get a sense going into this week, now it's going to be December football, that uh-huh. that this is the time, this is kind of like those playoff games in college when you, you know something's on the line and 
you got to bring your A game? Oh, yeah, you definitely get those vibes um, for sure. Every game from this moment on, like, really counts. I mean, they counted before, but, you know, now they really count for sure. So um, it just makes you want to bring your A game that much more, you know. But I'm um, just preparing, you know, the way that I can prepare and going out, you know, Sunday and executing. What was the biggest thing for you in practice when you put those pants on to, to kind of give yourself that, that confidence that, all right, I'm, I'm back? Yeah, just going out there, firing off the ball, full speed. Um, that really gave me that confidence. You know, be like, okay, my knee held up well. I didn't feel anything, no pain, no anything. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. There's kind of this uncertainty, at least for us outside, I would imagine it's for you guys too, that with Chase Young potentially playing this week. We're not sure where he's going to line up. He hasn't been out there. Um, in addition to studying their film from, the, from this entire season, have you gone back and watched Chase Young? Yeah, they have some, we have some of his uh, cut-ups in our hot folder. Um, he's a really good player, obviously. Um, big, long guy, rangy guy. Um, good with his hands. Um, Want to beat you around the edge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if they play him, they play him. If not, you know, whatever. It's not, like, it's not like they put in some guy that, you know, should be playing in high school. I mean, right. sweat is pretty good, too, right? <laughs> right, definitely, man. All those guys are really talented up front. So, it's going to be exciting, man. When you go against a quarterback like like that and Heineke who uh-huh. wants to kind of run around and make plays, do you guys feel it offensively knowing that? I mean, we've talked about, on, you know, when you guys played Detroit, obviously mm-hmm. burn out there, but the idea of the offense wanting to match the other team. But you kind of want to keep that kind of offense on the other side of on the sideline, on the other side of the field, right? Right, uh, for sure, and definitely, like, you don't want your defense constantly on the field, so you want to put together those long drives that can turn into touchdowns, you know, because you don't want to put too much on the defense, for sure. You hoping that uh, the offense gets introduced this week so you can kind of run through that tunnel, kind of respond and get back out there? <laughs> that would be cool, man. I mean, yeah, that would be awesome, but, man, I ain't really big into the hype, rah, rah, man. It's whatever. <laughs> All right, man, thanks, Thanks to Evan Neal, and it'll be good to see him out there on Sunday against Washington in an enormous game. I mean, I've been trying to think of the biggest games that the Giants have played. I mean, I'd probably go back to 2016, and the game against Dallas late in the year was cold. I remember it as prime time, but it may have been late afternoon, Uh, and that was the game that the Giants won 10-7 when... Janoris Jenkins shut down Des Bryant and Odell, as he did several times that year, burned a defense for a touchdown late in the game, and the Giants ended up going to the playoffs in Ben McAdoo's first season. It's been that long, and four years after playing his last game as a Giant, Odell Beckham Jr., expected to be back in the building for a free agent visit on Thursday. Now, some of you have asked why have we seen it talked about as a visit that carries over to Friday. Well, here's what I can tell you. Traditionally, when these free agent visits are done in the offseason, especially if players are traveling from the West Coast, the Giants usually split it into two days. They usually let the player arrive, have the player come to the facility, meet people in the building at every level. You know, it's not just come meet the coach and and the general manager. Then a select group will go out to dinner with the player, 
Presumably that happens here with Odell. Then tomorrow morning, bright and early, is usually when the player would go to the hospital for special surgery in Manhattan and have the medicals worked up. With Odell, it's his ACL, so they're going to be checking checking everything, but also checking his knee, seeing how it's healing, looking at the scans, uh, and then presumably that's when the visit would end and it would be a let's keep in touch, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and we'll we'll be in touch with your representatives in terms of contract issues or, or anything like that. Now, this is obviously a different situation because Odell is in December now trying to get into a team to be able to get back on the field eventually, whether it's a week from now, two weeks from now, even a month from now, and the last two games of the regular season. However long it's going to take, this is a unique process. So, again, the assumption... And people I've talked to in the building, there is that assumption that Odell will carry over until tomorrow. But that does not necessarily mean, I can almost guarantee you, that he's not meeting with Brian Dable tomorrow or the coaching staff. So I would imagine the coaching staff gets their work done with the free agent visit today. Because they're back at practice tomorrow. The Giants have that quirky coming off a mini-buy playing on Thanksgiving schedule this week in which Brian Dable has them practice Tuesday and Wednesday. They have The players have off on Thursday, and then they return for their final practice of the week, a typical Friday practice. In this instance, they have the same thing, but the coaching staff is in the building today, so that's how they meet with Odell. Now, I have not been able to confirm that Odell is coming from the West Coast to here We all know about the airplane incident that happened on Sunday with Odell and getting let off the plane because he he allegedly refused to put on his seatbelt or there was a medical emergency or um, however that played out. If Odell is in Miami and stayed in Miami this week, and then ended up coming up to New York. It's a lot different than Odell getting on a plane in L.A. or Arizona and coming to New York for today. So odds are he's going to arrive in the New York, New Jersey area late Thursday afternoon, maybe midday, but you don't want to be pressed for time. So that's kind of when you set that up. Now, remember, the Buffalo Bills are in New England. They're playing Thursday night football. That is, according to Von Miller, who is close with Odell, just like Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard are close with Odell, Von Miller said on his podcast that Odell is coming to Buffalo on Friday. My guess is when Odell gets done with the medicals in New York on Friday, he will then head up to Buffalo. Buffalo playing tonight on the road they probably want to get some things done tomorrow. So they're not going to bring in Odell first thing Friday morning, one would think, because they have a game to move on from. And then with the Dallas Cowboys playing on Sunday, the word is that Odell will end up in Frisco, Texas, meeting with the Cowboys on Monday. That's been confirmed through Jerry Jones, through several players, and we know how that's gone. So I have a piece on NorthJersey.com. Please check it out. I'm trying to be a realist here. I think it's 
a very weird situation to ask the fan base to take the emotion out of a situation involving the most emotional player that the Giants have had. Probably going back to Brandon Jacobs, that's the first name that came to mind for me. A guy who really wore his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, and I'd, I guess it would be Jacobs and, and Jeremy Shockey. Um, but Odell took it to another level, obviously, with everything that's transpired on and off the field in a Giants uniform. And then when he went to the Browns uh, and then the Rams. So to me, this is a situation where the Giants have an advantage if Odell wants to sign a longer term deal. And that all depends on what the money is. You know, look, I've seen those numbers floated out there. I just don't, I can't see a team giving Odell a player who's 30 years old, coming off an ACL, a $20 million average per year deal. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. If somebody wants to do that, well, go go ahead. But I don't think the Giants are doing that. And that's not a knock on Odell. That's the reality the reality of the situation is no one knows how he's going to perform. No one knows how his knee is going to respond. You trust in the rehab. You trust with the way things are going. And if Odell can return to form that he was at the beginning of last season or the middle of last season and have the impact that he could have down the stretch, I have no doubt that Odell can be a factor for any of the teams that he signs with. But for the Giants, it's more of a bigger picture. And I do think it's important here to note that if Joe Shane is assessing next year and looking at the market, the wide receiver market for next year is not great. Now, the draft is a different story. Do they want to put assets towards that? I would think they probably have to use assets in the free agent market and in the draft to rebuild this wide receiver room, which at this point... Uh, is held together by guys who were on the practice squad. Uh, a guy like Darius Slayton, who has earned everything he has gotten this year, was forced to take a pay cut to stay. You know, there's a lot of things going on in this wide receiver room. Another big thing is the fact that the Giants can't count on Wondell Robinson to be ready for the beginning of next season. Just torn his tore his ACL. So you've got to take all that into factor. So I'm not expecting Odell to return to the Giants, but I do think that this is another big step forward for him and the relationship for a fan base that, for the most part, uh, really loved him being here. I know he loved being here. He hated the losing, uh, as most, if not all, of the Giants did, and made a few missteps, more than a few at times, and I think this is just a sign that things are moving forward. Could Joe Shane and Brian Dable sell him? Absolutely. I think they absolutely could. Do I think that Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard will work behind the scenes if they feel there's an opportunity to get him here? I think there's no question. But they are not going to overtly try to recruit Odell. Number one, not really knowing their futures for next year. And number two, that's just not their style. Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard are very close to Odo Beckham Jr. His inner circle includes those guys. And I think that 
they know the situation. Odell, Odell deserves to get a big contract. He was getting a big contract from the Rams. Make no mistake. At halftime of the Super Bowl, if Odell was not in the locker room dealing with just terrible timing in terms of his ACL injury, Odell would have signed a longer-term deal with, with the Rams. I don't think there's any question about it. So, you know, he hasn't had that big deal since the Giants deal, and that deal in and of itself ended prematurely because of his exit in Cleveland. So there's a lot to get to, and I just think that um, we just have to see how it plays out. There's just really no other way to look at this that, um, that's going to play out any differently. All right, let's move on to the final drive. We're going to try to blow through these, get as many as we can in. Uh, ask you every week to send along questions with the hashtag on Twitter, all in art. Chris Van Cherry, my guy, as we look ahead to 2023, I know there's still seven games. There are many decisions that have to be made beside the obvious quarterback, wide receiver. What area do you think the Giants need to focus on, whether it's through the draft, free agency, or both? Chris, I'm going to try to keep that till the end of the season, but I think wide receiver is certainly a, a big factor here. I think interior offensive line will be important. I think inside linebacker and see who they like to bring in. Uh, and obviously, you can't just ignore the fact that the quarterback situation is something going to be discussed. So, Warren in Wyoming wants to know, he likes the segment that we've done where we've asked players in our sit-down interviews which teammates they would choose. So if I would want to choose, so answer some of those questions using other beat reporters, uh, I think that would be fun, might be interesting. I'd reserve the right to not answer certain questions. But Warren, send them along, have everyone send them along, and I'll see what I can do. Peter the Beast, will the Giants rush for more than 150 yards this week? I say they will. I think Saquon has another good game against Washington, and I think Daniel Jones gets back in the rushing column uh, and has a very good game, taking advantage maybe of some of the aggressiveness of the Washington edge players. Isaac Medina, how has it been back in the locker room? Are reporters able to build the same connections with players like they did pre-2020? Being back in the locker room has been great. Uh, There's no question about it. I think um, I've certainly built relationships with players this season. And, you know, you can always tell with players, even players who are cordial with interview requests, they don't always use your name. They don't always address you by your first name. And some of that is because there are just so many people in the locker room. But... I've certainly noticed that from more players this season than each of the past two seasons that you build that relationship when they know you and they acknowledge you. And that's not being a fanboy. That's really doing the job to the way you want to do it. How would you feel if you'd like to walk up to somebody in the locker room and say, hey, number number 13, could I have an interview? Number eight, could I have an, could I have an interview? That's not the way it works. So it's always noticeable and notable when a player 
will refer to you by your name. And that has happened a lot more this season than it did each of the past two seasons. So hopefully that helps, Isaac. Ramesh Chandra. I uh, hope I pronounced your name correctly. With all the reinforcements coming in, who's going to make the most difference? I think Aziz. Uh, we need some sacks. So he wants to know what I what, about this week. Um, look, I think Evan Neal will make a difference. Uh, Aziz, I think, has an opportunity to make a difference. Tony Jefferson could make a difference. And I think that's where we're at with that. But I, I, I would agree with Aziz. Uh, but Overall, I think Daniel Bellinger, it's hard to quantify what he meant to this offense and what they've lost without him. So I don't know if he'll be able to pick right up where he left off in Jacksonville, but Bellinger would probably be my overarching answer. For Sunday, Aziz is right there. BN Roz wants to know about Adori. I don't know if there's a realistic timetable for Xavier, Xavier McKinney, uh, I think he's still a ways off. Adori, I think this will be his second game missed. Um, I think there'll be an opportunity maybe by the second Washington game that he has an opportunity to get back on the field. That would be my uh, my take. So that'll wrap it up for this week's edition of All In. I appreciate you guys always listening. We'll be back Sunday night. Major implications on Sunday. Giants, Washington. The last time there were this many implications for this game was the Chase Young Bowl, which I had a piece on NorthJersey.com. I hope you check it out. Did the Giants actually win the Chase Young Bowl twice? Because they ended up with Andrew Thomas. And I don't know how many Giants fans, it'd probably be a lot closer how many Giants fans would trade Andrew Thomas for Chase Young right now? I'm not sure you would. And I think we kind of look at that a lot differently now in retrospect. So the Chase Young Bowl versus this is a kind of, if you're a wrestling fan, a loser leaves town type of setup. The two games with Washington and the Giants, the team that loses, even with a split, it's going to be difficult to make the make the playoffs. So you lose this one, you're going to be on the outside looking in for the remainder of the season and going to need a lot of help to get back into the playoff picture. So huge game on Sunday. We'll have the post-game podcast. Make sure you follow everything on NorthJersey.com. Always appreciate you being all in. That's why we're all in. We'll see you on Sunday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.